I'm gonna make him an offer again. I feel the need, the need for speed. He's watched every movie more than once. He's Stephen Fennick. Go ahead, make my day. He's watched the latest Disney movies with his kids, uh, but that's about it. He's Trevor Long. You talking to me? Together, they bring you the best movies you've never seen. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Rent BioStream, the latest and greatest movies on Fetch. Watch on a big screen Hisense TV. Say hello to my little friend! The best movies you've never seen. The first rule of Fight Club is... You do not talk about Viper. With Stephen Fennick and Trevor Long. This is the captain. Brace for impact. Hello, welcome. Great to have your company once again on The Best Movies You've Never Seen. This is our weekly little movie book club that we watch a movie. I, me, my name's Stephen Fennick. I'm watching it for the 150th time. And my offsider in this adventure is Trevor Long, who... He's watching some movies that he would never, never normally watch, and this is one of them. Welcome, Trevor. Stephen, um, this is a roller coaster. <laughs> this this podcast has been an experience, and it's only been going a short while. But uh, yeah, this is absolutely one of those movies. Uh, uh, well, this is, in your view, the best movie. One of the best movies in my. I've never seen it. So yeah, this you've is never seen it. Oh, the box. I think- if it wasn't for this podcast, I don't imagine you'd ever want to see this movie. Not a chance. But I'm glad that I've got you to see this because it is a favourite of mine, I have to admit. That's why it's on this list. But this is – and I warned you. What what did I say to you? Remember, I warned you that this is deliberately OTT, over the top. And just keep that in mind while you're watching it because it is about outrageous. It's, it's, mm. uh, it was released in 1997, directed by – French director Luc Besson. We're talking about The Fifth Element. Have we even named the movie yet? The Fifth <laughs> Element, released in 1997, directed by Luc Besson, a French director. His other films, which I'm a fan of as well, Leon the Professional, The Transporter, which you may have seen with Jason Statham, Lucy with um, Scarlett Johansson. So as I said, deliberately over-the-top sci-fi film. And there, I think the reason for that is that he set out to defy traditional typical science fiction conventions right like normally science fiction films are serious this isn't serious normally they're shot in dark corridors this is bright and breezy like deadpool for um you know marvel films yeah that's a good comparison He, he he just wanted to this is a comedy as much as it is a science fiction film so I think he's coming from a place there where he wanted to shake things up a bit. He wrote this story. He wrote this screenplay, Luke Besson, the director, when he was 16. 
and still in high school. So this was a story he'd had since he was a kid. And it was released in theatres. So he got to the – made the film – he was 38 when this hit when this hit theaters. So that's amazing. How's that for dedication on on your vision? So you, you've never. So had you did you know anything about this apart from you our quiz the week before about Bruce Willis? Did yeah. you know anything about this movie, mate? I'll be honest with you. Um, obviously, last week's episode where I thought you were tricking me because of the sixth <laughs> sense. Um, I had no idea Bruce Willis was in this movie. Okay. I don't think I'd heard of it. I don't, I don't, it just wasn't, it's just not on my radar. And the problem is, as soon as you mentioned sci-fi, I'm like, man, glazed over. It's not my genre, mate. Okay. Well, the thing that I like about sci-fi movies is not because they're sci-fi. It's because they're a story set in another way. It's in another time, in another planet. The, The heart of the story is still the same. This is, you could say this is a love story. It's an adventure. And it just happens to be set in the in 300 years into the future. But just like Star Wars, I think Star Wars is like a big saga. It's a big opera. But we're going to get to that in the weeks ahead. <laughs> so this movie at the time was the most expensive movie ever produced outside of Hollywood at the time. So this was yeah, that so French director French. Gourmont is the, the production company, which is Luc Besson's company. It was 80 million US dollars and this is 1997 so massive movie the visual effects budget of the movie was the highest of its time at well, that it, point. it shows by 1997 it was nominated for best effects and sound effects editing didn't win became a cult classic though and really established uh, Luke Besson as a director to really take notice of he he went on to to create uh, to make some really good films in the after this, so I think uh, even to this day, still producing some great movies. That uh, some of them will be on our list of the best movies you've never seen, including Leon the Professional, great great film starring a very young Natalie Portman is in that. Movie. Okay, righto. The, we're about to dive into the movie. This is your last exit before the freeway, as we like to call it. And if you haven't seen The Fifth Element, I'll be very surprised that you if you are like <laughs> Trevor and haven't seen this movie. But if you haven't or want to see it again, you can on Fetch. That's right. Fetch, uh, great sponsors of the best movies you've never seen with over 9,500 movies available to rent or buy in the movie store. All you got to do is search, use your voice, or just click away and you'll find plenty of movies in plenty of categories. Great, easy way to find something to watch. And with nearly every movie, you've got the option to rent or buy. And I won't lie, I chose to rent this because I didn't think I'd ever want to watch it again. So I chose to rent it and it gave me the 48 hours to watch it. I watched it straight away and prepared myself for this very show you can watch on your tv or on your tablet or phone you can download to go there's so much you can do with the fetch box so much more than you probably ever knew so check out fetch online and uh, at leading retailers or your internet provider all right if you're still with us it means that you have seen the movie or are curious to for us to spoil it for you either way Mm. so now that you've watched it okay it's very hard for you to share your first impression because you never really had a first. This was your first impression, really, wasn't it? So, yeah. So tell us now. You've seen it, and what do you think of it, Stephen? You and I are great mates, <laughs> and I respect our friendship. Yeah. And you know, I enjoy talking with you about these things. Okay. But you have this love <laughs> of science fiction. The Star Wars is a problem for you. It's not really a love. It's a problem, <clears throat> and I have. Zero desire to watch a movie of that genre. Okay. But I love this. <laughs> wow, that's a twist. 
Boom. I loved it. Boom. I absolutely loved it. It took me a bit to get into it because there was so much to establish, and we'll get that through the scenes, but yeah. there's a lot to understand about this. But once, essentially, once you get to the Bruce Willis part and, and yeah. you, you get to that kind of era, here's, here's the way I've been reasoning with my love for this movie, is at that point, as you said earlier, it's just another movie set at a different time. That's it. So all the other stuff that's science fiction-y is, is not really part of my mentality around this. It's yeah. just a great movie, a great storyline with twists. And oh, mate, I loved it. Mate, I am, I am shocked. Colour me happy. That is awesome. I can't believe it. I thought this was just going to be a bag fest for the next, for another hour. But mate, Sorry, but no. It's taking me by surprise. I'm really yeah. happy to hear that. So what's your tweet going to be there? You're going to positive tweet for this one. Well, I think it's, the thing about a tweet is you want to, and again, the tweet's coming from a dude that doesn't recommend movies, right? But the tweet is something along the lines of, if you're like me, you've never heard of The Fifth Element. You know, Bruce Willis is a star for a reason, but this movie has a great storyline, even if you don't love sci-fi. Good call. Good call. For me, I call this one of my guilty pleasures. This is so over the top. Like, it's no Citizen Kane or Godfather. It's just one of those silly movies Mm. that's funny, really well shot. I really love Luc Besson's style. He's a a director that I I love all his movies. His movies look great. They sound great. Always colourful. And you know you're going to get your money's worth whenever he's Mm. directing a movie. Let's move on to the casting call. And you mentioned Bruce Willis, of course. He's uh, the star of the show, stars as Corbin Dallas. And, of course, you would have recognized him from Die Hard, The Sixth Sense. Mm -hmm. But before The Fifth Element, there was a little bit of a – he had an issue. He had two bombs in a row. Uh, You've probably never heard of Hudson Hawk. It was sort of a movie where he plays this super burglar. And Billy Bathgate, another sort of crime, a crime film, period crime film. He should have picked those by the titles, Hudson well, Hawk and Billy Bathgate. Yeah, well, they were both bombs. That was the thing. Mm. And him, when he was offered this movie, he was really rolling the dice. He, he took a chance and luckily it paid off. He met Luke Besson for lunch to discuss this project. Within two hours, he was signed on to make it. He, that's how impressed he was with Luke and his script. Mila Javovich, who plays Lilu, she's a Ukrainian-born born model who ventured okay. into film. She went on to, if anyone who's seen the Resident Evil franchise, she's the star of the Resident Evil franchise. She actually married Luke Besson after this film, the director. <laughs> uh, they lasted two and a half years, but, uh, oh. yeah, they did, didn't last long. Dad didn't have any kids, I don't think. Gary Oldman, did you recognize him as Zorg? He was in Leon the Professional. So he'd worked on the previous Luke Besson film, which was Leon the Professional. He played, again, the villain in that movie and did this as a favor to Besson. When he asked him, can you help me? He did it. But the funny thing is, the word is that he hated this movie, still hates the movie, doesn't like it at all. That's wow. ur- urban urban myth, whether that's true or not. But that's the word that he, he just absolutely hates this movie. He went on to also to star in Air Force One. He was in Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. He won a Best Actor Oscar a few years ago for playing Winston Churchill in The Darkest Hour. Good movie. Yeah. I wonder if it talks about the time during World War II, the struggles uh, during World War II in, in the in the UK. Ian Holm plays Cornelius, and he was also – he died last year, by the way, Ian Holm. He was 88. He passed away last year. He was also in two other massive franchises, the first one being Alien, the original Alien film, 
Okay. And he was also in Lord of the Rings. He played Bilbo Baggins in Lord of the Rings trilogy as well. Chris Tucker, who plays Ruby Rod, was also in uh, the film Friday. It was comedy. He was also, you might have seen him in Rush Hour, you know, with Jackie Chan. Yep. Our man, Chris Tucker. But we're about to dive into the memorable scenes, but I also would uh, like to welcome to the podcast our new sponsor, Sense. And we're talking about the greatest movies you've never seen. You want to see them on a big screen, on the greatest screen you can buy. One of them is the Hisense 4K and 8K mini LED TVs. And it's all about enjoying these movies on a grand scale. And Hisense really delivers. You can get Hisense TVs up to 85 inches. And that's that's the fastest growing TV size in Australia. They've got a lot of great features on their TVs, including quantum dot color. They've got Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos full array local dimming that means that there are more dimming zones to produce much deeper blacks and produce some stunning colors as well all the movies that we talk about are meant to be enjoyed on a grand scale the sound the vision it's meant to really pop and that's exactly what happens when viewing on a high sense display you want to find out more about the high sense range check them out highsense.com.au Yes. So let's dive into the scenes here, mate. Now, yeah. I loved your first note where you said, oh, my God, a spaceship. I need to be on my guard here or something. You said, oh, my God. <laughs> so I'm thinking that that was funny. But we start off, it's Egypt 1914. Mm. And you're probably wondering, what the hell is going on? I thought this was a science fiction movie. And there's an archaeological expedition happening. We learned oh, the guys looking at the, the hieroglyphics on the wall. We learn about the fifth element. And then what do we see? The Mondoshawan spaceship returns to Earth. And they say, look, the stones are no longer safe on Earth. So it's a bit of a steep learning curve. The, yeah. There's a priest entrusted with There is so much spirit. to unpack here. So yeah. there is a lot. And how, how are you? Were you keeping up with it here? Struggling. Big time. You know, you've got an old guy who's yelling at a kid who's meant to be shedding a light on him. Aziz, light, Aziz, light. <laughs> and the best part is um, Luke Perry. Is it Luke Perry? Luke Perry, good call. From, yes, it is. Buddy, um, uh, 90210. Um, Who I'm thinking, is he going to come back in this movie? But no, he's, that was it. He's a bit of a cat um, for him, yeah. But he's in the credit. He's in the titles. He's in the titles. He was the sixth, ti- I think, sixth build. With the least amount of life. I think he had 100, 100 yeah. words that he spoke in the whole movie. But, yeah, he at the time, so, got, well, this was in the late 90s, he was a red-hot actor back then. He would have been a good name to have on it, you know, to bring in a yeah. different different demographic probably. But, you know, you've got this, this, this you know, crazy scientist reading hieroglyphics. He seems to be un, unlocking would be the is, – is actually the right word, but it's the wrong word for, you know, kind of understanding the translation. Yeah. Interpreting this, what's on the wall, yeah. This, this priest dude comes in and tries to kill him. Uh, like, <laughs> it, it kind of makes no sense at that point. But then this spaceship lands – then there's this whole palaver going on. You realize this dude is trying, the priest is trying to stop him from uncovering the secret yeah. that the priest is holding. And the priest is the one in charge of essentially handing this yeah. knowledge well, down, th- down through the ages. The Mondoshawans, uh, they've, they've, they said, as I mentioned, they, the stones are no longer safe on earth. So they, they walk up to the wall and you remember, you, you know what really surprised me, how he shot this uh, he sort of did a, he did a great shot where you can see, just the top of all of all their their armor, and you see them sort of shifting side to side as they're walking. Mm. They focus on their really large feet, and then he goes up to the wall, and a little key pops out of his finger to unlock the wall. Remember how the yeah. wall slides open? Yeah. And Luke Luke Perry he he panics. Remember and and start, he goes, "I've got to go." And he and he starts shooting, 
and the, the, the walls start to close and the priest is urging the, the Mondoshuan to, to come out of, of, that, of that vault. Hurry! The wall is closing! Here is your mission now. Pass your knowledge to the next priest as it was passed on to you. I, I, I will do as you command, but please hurry. You still have time. Time not important, only life important. So if I'm not mistaken, you know, this you know, this part confuses you a bit because it's like, well, hang on a minute, this bloke's now been locked in here. He's, I'm thinking is the movie now to save this, you know, robot thing. <laughs> I don't understand. Like I'm I'm at this point not confident. Yeah. At this point, because... remember they've taken the stones. So the stones are out. This stones are last, out. Last Mondoshi one got trapped in there. A lot of that is going over your head when you're first watching this. Let me be very clear. Um, you're just trying to work out what's going on. Because the next thing is we fast forward, and I think it actually comes up on the screen, doesn't it? 300 years later. 300 years later. He said he's going to return in 300 years, and then it says 300 years later. And you're like, oh, rightio. Well, thanks for that. Um, good to know. And and I think at this point where we're in spaceships, we've got a, a, a president, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, army slash, you know, defense force, um, and, and ships, which frankly look like they're from Star Wars to me. Um, Similar. out trying to battle this burning sphere that is apparently approaching Earth. Now, at this point, I realise, okay, so back in that early point, they talk about something happening every 500 or 5,000 years. 5,000 years, that's right. And and I realise, okay, so we fast-forwarded to the point where this is all going to go down, and this burning sphere is that thing that they've been most worried about. But the the president is forced with making decisions, you know, that's the job of a president. You've got to do this, you've got to do that. And he's basically saying, right, unleash hell on this but the priest, and you realize this priest is obviously the person who's had this knowledge handed down, which is, I think that's conveyed well, stands up, requests time, and he's given 20 seconds to talk to the president. I have a different theory to offer you, sir. Yeah, 20 seconds. <laughs> Imagine for a moment that this thing is not anything that can be identified because it prefers not to be wherever there is life. It brings death because it is evil, absolute evil. One more reason to shoot first. Evil begets evil, Mr. President. Shooting will only make it stronger. So we. I think they lose it. They lose a ship, don't they? They lose. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they 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 fire the missiles to fire at it. Yeah, they fire Um, the missiles and it expands and and it destroys the ship. But the ship. Yeah. So at the same time, the the Mondoshuan ship is coming back to return. Well, what we think they're trying to return the stones to Earth, remember? Mm. And that's the, the priest. The priest's view is that there's yeah. a ship. The ship will come. It will return the stones. We'll be able to create the the diamond of them, and the fifth element will be in the center. You kind of get that sense of it. But mm. the bloody thing crashes like violently into the Earth. Like that yeah, is they're, they're, they're shot down by the man, the Mangalores. Yeah, the other other aliens. So they're like pirates. Yeah. Would you describe yes, them as yeah. pirates? Yes, they are correct. Because again, at this point, you're like. Man, who's these extra people now? Who are they? <laughs> like, now we've got a human form. We've yeah. got this alien, only a couple of ships, pirate ships that just gun it down. And you realize, okay, they're either rogue elements in the Air Force or they're pirates. And then they kind of come in close. I mean, you realize they're alien form, so they mustn't be part of the, the defense force. And, and this thing is, is obliterated. But they do apparently recover just this, this very small part. It looks like uh, the, the, the hand. 
of yeah. of one of the aliens or Mon Joshuans, uh, and they've apparently got the technology to regenerate this thing, and that's what they set about to do is to regenerate this alien back from scratch using advanced technology that exists three hundred years into the future. So yeah, while while that regeneration is happening, it sort of cuts across, and we meet Corbin Dallas, Bruce Willis, for the very first time. We discover that he's a, a cab driver, but there's this is a future where there are flying cars and flying cabs. We yep. learn he's only got a few points left on his license. He's clearly disheveled, like he. Yeah, you can tell he's. Uh, yeah, he's kind of typically in these movies where you know his 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 history, his past was he was a special forces officer. So he's kind of a probably disgraced, and now is making ends meet as a cab driver. And so that that's kind of like you said, you you know that there's he's at a point of his life where he's just trying to do his best. He's got like a and he's then, living in a in a in a, in a tiny little room, which is yeah. either the way of the future or he's or he's uh, he doesn't have money. He's got like a cat. He's got a thing on the wall that's telling him not to smoke, but he takes smokes yeah. from it. Did you see the smokes? How big the filter was? Yes, the filter huge was filter, the smoke. The opposite. <laughs> The filter's the size is? of the cigarette, and the cigarette's the size of the filter as we know it. That's Very what I love about this movie. There's a lot, of, a lot of those little things that you notice on yeah. repeated watches, and that that's one of them. And so while this, while we're being introduced to Corbin, of course, the regenerations continued, and we meet Lilu for the first time. We we see she's in the chamber. She's frightened. She, they said, "Oh no, she can't get out of the chamber." She punches a hole in the chamber, escapes. Police after her to chase her and she ends up going out onto the ledge of the building we see kind of the outside world for the first time these cars and flying cars and just the chaos of what's going on which by the way is brilliantly done yeah it's good you know i talk a lot about because i'm a nerd but i don't see it's interesting because i'm a nerd but i'm not a movie nerd i'm critical of the uh effects of visual effects in old movies right which you aren't because you essentially watch them evolve yeah um like I'm not critical of the uh, graphics in an old computer game because I remember them evolving, right? Yeah. But at the time, movie, it was it was kind of cutting edge. Yeah, that's right. But honestly, this movie for its time because it's, it's still quite an old movie. Yeah. Um, is it, brilliant. Those those cars zooming around, yeah. uh, you, you get this sense that you know it's just layers and layers of traffic. If and if you got if you've got a multi speaker system, if you've got a sound bar or Dolby Atmos. You can really hear that they've mixed that really well. That scene, you can right. hear the car zooming on in all directions. It's a really good effect. But uh, what what we 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 see Lulu, she's surrounded by the police, and there's this beautiful top down shot. She decides, you know what, the only way I out of this, I've got to jump. And there's that amazing shot from above of her diving off the ledge in slow motion, which is brilliant. I really just the whole the whole compo the composition of that shot is just tremendous. I think so, why why things like that look good in hmm. a visual effects sense and as and not just from a cinema, cinematography sense is because it's not pretending to be now up high looking down. It's now up high in terms of Manhattan, but they, there's fog down the bottom. And it does hmm. so you lose any sense of what's fake and real in a, in a visual sense. And I think that happens throughout the whole movie. There's it's if if there's visual effects, it's in a completely foreign way, so that you don't think it doesn't look real. It's very yeah, well done. No, that, magnificent. It is, and you see her tumbling, of course, and yeah. falling and falling straight into Corbin's cab. And I love how the car says to him, 
you appear to have had an accident. <laughs> he says, I oh, know I've had an accident. But then he meets Lilu. Boom. Boom, yeah. I understand boom. Bada boom. Big. Big bada boom. Big. Bada big boom. Big. Boom. Yeah, big bada boom. Bada boom. Big. Boom. Big bada boom. It was quite an introduction, don't you think? Oh, it's it's a great scene because, you know, I guess you have this feeling that why wouldn't he be just completely angry that his, his yeah. cab's just been ruined? But it's, well, it's he, he asks, about, so he goes, any survivors? And then he's surprised when she pops it's up. It's actually this, yeah. this moment of, okay, here's a really lonely bloke who's now just been connected with clearly a beautiful woman. And it's not like it's instant love or anything, but yeah. it's just this moment where he's, he doesn't have anger. He's just got fascination. And I think that's, what's really cool about it. There's but, also too, he's got to make a choice is, does he give her up to the police? Like yes. He, he decides I mean, he, at the start of that scene, he says that he, this is, just, this is where it ends, honey. You've got to get he the, opens cop, the door. He opens yeah. the door for the cops to get her. And then, you know, he's, he, he obviously has a trigger moment where he goes, actually, no, we're out of here. And he, yeah. he shoots off. And speaking of shooting, he, his cab gets completely annihilated and, and he manages to, you know, remarkably um, find his way past and um, ends up going back to his place. Um, yeah. But he, he's like, who is this this woman? Like, th- this doesn't make any sense. And I think she, you know, she's still speaking gibberish, but she does say the name of the priest. Yeah. And so he's like, okay. And so he then tracks this priest down, takes her there, and the priest essentially lets her know in a very, very broad principle that she's yeah. the perfect being. She's well, she notices the, identified her by the tattoo. Tattoo, says, yeah. I don't know who she is, but she's got yeah. this tattoo. And the priest faints, doesn't he? That's right. He yeah. faints when he sees the four elements. And, you know, imagine yeah. being Bruce Willis at that point, or Corbin. You're, um, yeah. You've just you've had this thing fall on your bloody car. Then you've connected her with the one person who may know who she is. And that person's just freaked out at the sight of her. It's... It's pretty cool. At this point, I'm in. Now, this is the point where I'm the movie. I'm in. Okay, yeah. No, well, there was a great point, too, in this movie. Remember when he was there sort of carrying her in and he just plants a kiss on her and then she pulls a gun on him? He goes, oh, okay, yeah, that wasn't the best decision. And and so, you know, hang on, who is this, who is this being? What's going to happen? And then, yeah, we, we find out that she's the the perfect being and then she starts ingesting all the history you know in the computer so yeah i think she, it's, it's she's got a solid appetite too remember she eats a whole chicken then she then she goes and dehydrates another back chicken. to the future like she puts, yes. it, puts something in a in a microwave or a rehydrator that turns <laughs> this tiny little thing into a big chicken and she's just smashing away you know yeah. thousands of chicken drumsticks basically while she's ingesting world history it's basically like the way i would describe it today to someone is it's like as if Wikipedia just flashed up every page in front of you, and yes. that was how you ingested the the encyclopedia. She was just looking through the history of the world. It was it was it was cool. That was a really really cool way to evolve her character because at some point, obviously, her character needed to have the ability to communicate a little bit better or differently. Yeah. You know, you needed this character to have more, so you needed to inject that into the movie, and that was a really cool way to do it. Yeah, this was the scene, I think, where there was a lot of stuff we had to learn. There was a, a fair bit of exposition that we needed. Like We learned that uh, we learned about Cornelius. We learned about her. We learned about – we learned, too, that she says that the stones were not on the ship. Remember, they yes. thought that they went down with the ship and that she says that 
they're in Floston. So that she's thinking, well, we, we need we need to work out how we're going to retrieve them. But yeah, switch over to so we meet the villain of the movie here. This is Zorg, played by Gary Oldman, and we find him in the middle of a weapons deal with the Mangalore. So remember the, the first Mangalore had took on like a human-like appearance? Yes. And, the, and he says, look, what are you trying to do? And he sort of goes back to being his alien self. He tried Which is to a useful, It's a useful scene because it becomes important later yeah, on. When later on at the airport. Be, when they're yes. trying to be humans. That's yeah. right. So, But he, he's done this weapons deal. And I love the demonstration of all the capabilities of the weapons too. Did you like that? The All the bullets going to one point and the, him using the arrows and the ice and all of that. And But he thinks, though, that he's got the case with all the stones. You asked for a case. We brought you a case. A case with four stones in it. Not one or two or three, but four. Four stones! What the hell am I supposed to do with an empty case? We are warriors, not merchants. But you can still count! Look, it's easy. Look at my fingers. Four stones, four crates. Zero stones, zero crates! <laughs> so, he, he reneges on the deal, let's just say. It, it's a wild <laughs> character, let's be honest. That might be why he doesn't like the movie. Maybe. I, I, I like him it. I think he's funny. I think it was the only reason. For a reason. Visually, that character is okay is because you told me it was OTT. And by the way, the other thing I noticed at the very start of the movie in the credits was that Jean-Paul Gaultier was in charge of costumes. And We're going to get to Yes. I'm not a fashion guru, but I knew they were going to be wild. Exactly right. Now, we're going to talk about Jean-Paul Gaultier. I'm glad you noticed that uh, later on. But we find as well that he's put a little safeguard into the weapon. Remember the the Mangalore's looking at this red button. And you see, you see them pressing, and then the next shot is a tight shot on Gary Oldman, and the explosion coming out from behind him. So they've blown themselves up. So he's he's totally reneged on the deal. Still no stones. He's got an empty case. And but, and yeah. at this point, you've got this kind of fascination now with the this you know defense chief and the president trying to work out how to you know recover these stones. Um, because I think at this point we know now they're with the the diva. Yeah. Well, we just we're just told about this diva who's clearly a performer of some sort. Yeah. Uh, also, it's this Austin. Boston yeah. place. And in my mind, I'm now thinking, what is that like? Florida? Is that like you know, <laughs> like where? It, it makes no sense to me, right? Obviously, yeah. you know what it is, but as a viewer, first time, you're like, I've no idea what that is. How is that a place? Because it doesn't exist, and we're in the real world here. So there's a bit, that's a touch weird for me at that point. Yeah. Obviously, it becomes relevant, but you know, they find a way to um, convince, well, they, they think they found a way to convince Corbin to go because he's the best person for the job, mainly, mainly because the rest of his crew as, as um, special forces are dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the plan now, is to send Corbin. Yep. And with Lelou as with well. With Lelou, yep. under the guise of a winning a radio contest to this Florston to recover these stones from the diva. And and when it wasn't it funny when they're at the airport and it was a little bit like you you will not even get this reference of it was like Spartacus. There's a famous scene in Spartacus where they say I am Spartacus and then someone else stands up and goes No I am Spartacus. This was well, the I point. think there's been some t- isn't there a TV ad you know the one with the wallet. Um, yes, yes, there is. Yeah, yeah that, that's the, a ripoff of that movie. Then is yeah, it? It is. Spartacus. Oh, okay. No, and I think it was a, a bourbon ad. It was a bourbon ad. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Bourbon that's and, the original. That I'm Spartacus. That's a famous scene out of the film Spartacus, directed by uh, Stanley okay. Kubrick. So this was a little bit like that, where everyone's claiming to be Corbin Dallas, but the real Corbin Dallas turns up. 
I was so afraid I wasn't going to make this flight, so I sent uh, David here yeah. to come and pick up my boarding pass. But, um, but, but now David has to go. Thank you. Bye. I am Corbin Dallas. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Lila and Multipass, you know this Multipass. Lila Dallas, my wife, we're newlywed, just met. <laughs> so here's the thing. I can't imagine. So the Multipass is the ID card, and she's reading the big word yeah. Multipass. She's yep. seen the Multipass. It's just such a great scene. But I can't imagine that being in a screenplay for the 16-year-old. So I imagine this is the kind of thing that you develop either as you're shooting or as you're doing table reads. You know what I mean? Like... I feel oh, yeah. like these are those moments in movies where in a director's cut of a DVD, you'd hear that kind of conversation about this because it's such a great thing. You know, Lilu Dallas multipass. Why would she say that? I reckon there'd be, there was a lot of, I mean, my research never confirmed this, but I reckon there was a lot of improv done as well. I reckon yeah. he just well, let him go. Like they get the shoot to see and they go, right, I'll just let, let's have a go at something different. And I I reckon that's where a lot earlier, of the cold comes, I reckon. I was thinking earlier, the, the, Bad boom, you know, but a boom. Yep. I thought that felt that felt like I know to me. There was one scene where he introduces himself and he goes the line where he says, "I only know two languages, English and bad English." I know for a fact that was improvised. He just made that up on the spot. But okay. there are no, no no doubt others, and I think uh, Lilu herself, so Mila Jovovich, probably had a little bit of license to sort of go over the top as well with that, but. We're uh, we're on our way now to Floston Paradise, and you've got to remember, uh, Corbin Dallas is this supposed radio prize winner, and we meet, of course, the famous Ruby Rod. Corbin Dallas, here he is, the one and only winner of the Gemini Crockett contest. This boy is fused like fire. So start melting, ladies, because the boy is hotter than hot. He's hot, hot, hot. <laughs> The right size, right build, right head, right on. Right on, right on. And he's got something to say to those 50 billion pair of ears out there. Pop it, D-Man. Uh, hi, hi. Unbelievable. <laughs> that just, hey. like, he's... That's, that's your OTP. Oh, man. I think, I reckon Chris Tucker, who played Ruby Rod... They just said to him, look, just just the, you can't be too big with this character. Just go as big as you want. And that's what we got. And how, did you like the fact that, don't forget, this was in 1997. I yeah. watched this today and Ruby Rod, the way that he's got a show and he's got a mic all the time, it reminds you of what social media is like today. A lot of people creating well, content wherever they you know, are. What it reminded me of is, is streamers, not even yes. YouTubers, but these people that streamers. stream for yes, hours on exactly. day. Yeah, that's what that's what this ahead is. Ahead of its time, yeah. And and um, I was I was looking at a streamer today, thinking, like, how do you do this? And they 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 get dressed up, they take challenges from their chat, and I thought this person is flamboyant like that as well. Ruby Rod is flamboyant. And the hair, the costumes, everything, the little tiny microphone, it's all so cool. But yeah, you're right. It's this, it's it's a genuine fast you yeah. know, look forward into the future. I think it was like a little sneak peek at what we could yeah. well, remember. This is like twenty five year old movie, so they got it right. There was but barely yeah. internet at the time. Absolutely, yeah. And you gotta remember, so we're on on uh, in Floston Paradise now and the Mangle. Which by the way, 
Foss and Paradise it's is a cruise planet. ship. Yeah, it's right? a big cruise it's ship. A, yeah, it's a cruise ship in Foss space. It. Yes. Yeah. But we learn as well that the, uh, the, the the Mangalores learn that the stones are here. We also discover that Cornelius has stowed away with yep. his offsider and that Zorg, Gary Oldman's character, decides that, you know what, I'm going as well. So we yeah. know they're it's all converging on the, on the cruise ship. And I think, you know, obviously we know now that we're here for the stones. The diva has them. There's some really nice moments where um, Lilu is standing down a hallway and the diva can sort of sense her yeah. being there, which, which is cool. Um, the diva is this crazy <laughs> looking thing. Like, tall, what did you like think of that? What did you think tall. when you saw that? What, what is I'm, here, here's the thing, Stephen. I'm so glad you sent me the message that said, don't forget this thing's over the top. Yeah. Because I think that helped me at that it point. Helped, I think it helped you prepare. You braced, you, you, you braced yourself. It, you it didn't help me prepare. It helped me relax during okay, it and cool. go, okay, this is fine. Cool. This is what it needs to be. Little it needs to of, be excessive. So your reaction to her, a little bit of trivia here. Do you remember there's a scene, there's a great shot of Bruce Willis, like Corbin Dallas, in the audience when he first sees the diva. Mm. The wonder, the look on his face was apparently genuine because he'd never seen, he never knew what to expect the character was going to look like. So he's looking up at this thinking, oh my God, that was real. His absolute amazement at at the diva because he'd never seen her until, he'd never seen the actress in the full makeup. And so that was yep. the first time. Yeah. And this is an epic, like this is full on. There's this is a battle scene. There's gunfights. Um, you've got these Mangalore aliens just ripping and tearing the place apart. And, and in fact, I think one of the cool things, and we've got some audio of this now, is Ruby Rod and Corbin are kind of stuck down the front. Um, the diva's been killed or uh, injured and she's down there and he's trying to talk to her. But <laughs> Ruby Rod is still on air. That's that's the crazy <laughs> thing, even during the gunfight. Oh my god. Oh my god, coming. Another one coming. Oh shit, three coming, coming. Three. You guard this with your life or you're gonna look like this guy right here. Green. Green. Super green. Super green. Is that your idea of a discreet operation? Don't worry, sir. I know my man. He'll calm things down. That's brilliant because this is all being broadcast live and that's how the president and the defense team are listening in. And the president's like, so this rubbish that I'm listening to, this is this is your idea of it, of it being okay. And it's like, he's our best man and then just unleashes hell on the whole joint. Yeah. And you can imagine being, you know, on another planet essentially, um, just listening in. No, no, no ability to chime in or do anything and it's yeah. just... <laughs> This is the, crazy. The future of the world is in their hands. and Because uh, at this point, Zorg's there. He's set a, a ticking time bomb. He's left yep. with his with his case. Think, But he thinks he's got the stones here, yes. That's right. He's got the case, so he set a bomb to blow the joint up. He gets back to his um, ship, realises again that they're not there. I mean, it's, it's this, this is where it gets really intense. Yeah. And he returns. He goes back, though. And in the meantime, the Mangalores have got their own bomb and... Bada boom happens again right there. That's a, that's a great moment though, where you realize uh, he realizes you screwed. They're all in the divas, you know, sweet, uh, dead. Like they look dead, and he's got in there, and he's just dis, he's disabled this 
is there's 10 seconds left on the on the counter before his bomb goes off. He's got this uh, transparent circuit board, which, by the way, is taking him far too long to insert in the thing. I don't care what you think. It was That was terrible. But, you know, for suspense, he stops it with five seconds to go. Five, and, of course. And this alien goes, he brings out like a little, it's like the, the, the dial on a safe and just twists it to five. Yep. And then it's then a little timer timer starts over on the other side, and it's clearly a bomb that's going to go off. And the alien actually says something there, don't they? Like, you know, that's it's payback or something like that. It's like yep. you stopped it at five seconds, mate. You're going in five seconds. So well done. That's right. But so we that goes that goes boom. Uh, we see though that Corbin, Lelou, Cornelius, and Ruby Rod have escaped. They've got the yep. stones, and meanwhile, the great evil is returning to destroy the earth. And yeah. Here's a point now where you think, right, a crucial part of the movie where, okay, they've got everything in place. They know what they've got to do. But Lilu, as she continues to ingest all these things that are happening, suddenly stumbles on, she's nearly at the end of the alphabet and comes to W and sees war. And that has the scenes of like World War II and the Holocaust and all this, and that really has an impact on her. And she essentially learns in yeah. 10 seconds or less that humanity is bloody horrible. Yeah. And and this is a crucial part here because they've gotten to Earth. They've got to work out what they need to do. They, they have to put the stones in the right place. And they're thinking, okay, what happens now? I remember the wind, when the, the wind stone, he blew uh, yeah. he, and, and it, something happened. He lit a fire on fire and they had everything in place, but they needed one more thing. I'll take you on a vacation when we're done. I swear, a real vacation, a real vacation, just you and me. But listen to me, if you don't do something right now, we're all going to die. You understand? What's the use of saving life when you do it? Lilo, you're right, you're right, you're right. But there are, there are some things, very nice things worth saving, some beautiful things. Beautiful things. Like love. Yes, yes, love. That's good, that's good. That's a good example. Like love, love is worth saving. I don't know love. I was built to protect, not to love. There's no use for me. No, 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 you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. I need you. I need you very much. Why? Because. Because. Tell her, uh, Corbin. Please, do you need me? I love you. And that's that saved the earth. Yeah, love, love saved, saved the earth. Love saved them, and she became that. That was the final part of her becoming the fifth element. Is her knowing she love? Stood there, she did the fifth yeah. element. The light went through. It destroyed yeah. the evil. It Turned into another weird move. thing. It's yeah. really in the end. This is a movie about love destroying evil. Simple as that. Evil is the exactly, is yeah. the thing that's attacking to take. Evil is really is coming good. to take away life. Yeah, um, it was a good sum and, up about how you know she sort of is it is it worth saving? Is like love is that worth? Yeah, and he caught on to that. Yeah, that's 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 a good example. They, I think the next scene is actually is it pretty much just fast forward. So yeah, the next the, the next scene is Lilu and Corbin in the chamber when the, the and as soon as they shot to this room, which is the chamber, the nuclear chamber where she was essentially regenerated, and, yeah. and the chamber was covered. I went, oh, hello, <laughs> I knew what was going on in there. Yeah, it was uh, like the end of a Bond movie, you know, whether she he gets. Uh, <laughs> He catches up with the girl. 
But we're going to move on now to the favourite lines, mate. There's a few really good quotes in here, and one of them I think you'll you'll tell us about now. When she drops into the cab and sort of she realises she needs to get on Corbin's side. He, she, it's, it's, it's a great thing because you realise she realises she can't communicate. He can't understand. She can't understand him. He can't understand her. And so she's looking down. But for some reason, weird as it might be, it looks like she can read. I've only got one point left on my license, and I need that to get back to the garage and get the cab a a six-month overhaul. You understand? Can you please open the passenger door? I can't. She, she's seeing these words that say, please help on a yeah. pamphlet or something. It was like a picture of like a poor, like a refugee kid or something. Like it was like an appeal to donate for like a charity. Yeah. And, really and, and she finally gets a message across. That's the first communication she has. I love this. I quote this line as well. I really like this section where uh, they say, to, they say, we're sending in the negotiator. We're sending somebody in to negotiate. <laughs> Anybody else want to negotiate? <laughs> so he just shoots the guy, shoots the Mangalore dead, and that was it's a good negotiation. Again, it's a really cool scene because you think, how is this going to play out? He just walks in and just. It reminds cold, me. It reminds me of the. And I think you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, haven't you? Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones. Okay, he's Trevor shaking his head. Well, there's a scene where there's a swordsman tossing the sword back and forth. And Indiana Jones, you think he's going to have this big long fight, but he just goes boom and just shoots him dead with his gun. That's a little yeah. bit like that. Can you just just refer to? You might need to refer to your notes here. But what's the name of this podcast? The best movies you've never seen. You've never seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's on the list as well. There's a way. big, yeah. there's a big ball that rolls down and tries to crush someone. That's, that's all I've got. <laughs> that's all you got. We're going to be covering that one. Yeah. But the, the, in that last scene in the in this movie, the Fifth Element, where the, um, Corbin and uh, Lilu are consummating their friendship um, <laughs> in the nuclear chamber. The president's there. They get a phone call, and it's apparently Corbin's mum who uh, is put on to the president. Mrs. Dallas, this is the president. On behalf of the Federation, I would like to thank oh, you. please, that doesn't even sound like him. The president's an idiot, and you don't sound like an idiot. If you don't want to talk to your mother, just avoid me like usual, huh? I'll just throw myself in traffic. I'll just saran wrap myself in the bed for that time. And this, we should mention that there are several calls during the film yes. to Corbin from his mother. She's so, filthy because yeah. he, she, he when, when he wins the radio contest, it's being broadcast on the on on the radio that he's won and they need to find him. She hears about the radio contest before he does. She's filthy or she's saying, you've got to take me. Then she finds out he's there. She rings him on Florston and says, why didn't you take me? It's a, it's a nice little arc, isn't it? Yes. It's a nice little arc. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Let's jump into uh, the how did that happen plot hole section here, mate. First one's a doozy. Uh, The movie takes place in 1914 and 2263, right? Right. But when the Mondoshawans arrive at the temple, they tell the priest in 300 years, evil will return, so they'll come back as well. The next scene actually says... 300 years later, right? But in the apartment, when yes. Corbin wakes up, the there's a t- yellow ticket above his head. So it's, it displays yeah, the date, the time, like and the year. Or something, doesn't it? 
the date was March 18, 2263. 63. That's 349 years from 1914. Well, how do they stuff yeah. that up? I don't know. It just doesn't go with the – that's always bothered me. Not 300 years later displayed uh, as it says. So, anyway, we'll have to get wow. on, the, on, on the phone to Mr. Besson and ask him to explain. It feels like something Next George up. Lucas would fix in a, in a rerun. <laughs> oh, he would have fi- changed it 15 times, yeah, for sure. Uh, one other little thing that's always bothered me. How did the Mangalores learn that the stones were in Floston? Now, you remember Zorg? Remember he had the little bug on top of the cockroach and it, it, it bugged? It's, it's, it bugged one the of the dumbest things I've seen yeah. in a movie, I'll be honest. <laughs> so that's how he found out, right? And so why were the Mangalores at the airport? Why? How did they know? That's one thing. Who told them that they were that the stones were in Floston? Okay. The other thing, the other question I've always asked is why did Zorg, so Gary Oldman, why did he want the stones? Did he want to? Um, the two questions I'm asking are: Did he want the Earth to be destroyed? Did he not want them to take him back and save Earth? Did he want Earth destroyed, or did he want to take credit for it? Did he want to go back and save them himself? So you know what? Always bothered. That's a really good point, and because yeah. he, he does, he takes a phone call, doesn't he, during uh, one point where he's, you know, kind of trying to convince someone that you know, an overlord that it's yeah. okay, he's got it under control. So here's, here's, I guess, what was in my head. My in my head, the the person or the the beings that he was communicating with were the evil. They were the, you know, the the planet right. that was coming. Well, he had, so he had a connection, you reckon, with them? He, he yeah, was. Well, he so was they working, were the overlords. He was talking to you, reckon? Yes, he was working to make yeah. sure that they weren't stopped. So okay. they're aware that this this set of elements exist and together those elements can destroy evil. So his job is to work with evil to destroy yeah. the good. Interesting interpretation. I never never looked at it that way. Things you might not know, Trev. Jean Reno, who you probably don't know, was the original choice to play the part of Corbin Dallas. He, he was the star of uh, Luke Besson's previous movie, Leon the Professional. Uh, oh, they, re- they made it. it was a good decision here. Well, you'll recognize Jean Reno. He's been in a few Mission Impossible movies. If I showed you a photo of him, let's say, oh, yeah, I've seen that guy before. That's Jean Reno. Maybe not. Jean, Maybe as in J E A N Reno, as in yeah, as in the car company or O? No, R E N O. Okay, Reno, yeah. Uh, oh, apparently, yeah, I'm also looking at photos. Maybe, maybe you, I recognise him. him. Okay, Mel Gibson was apparently considered for the role of Corbin Dallas as well. Could you imagine Mel okay. Gibson in that role? I can actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I reckon he would have done all right actually. Yeah. Uh, for the part of Lilu, would you believe that they had more than eight thousand actresses audition? Luke Besson saw he he saw two hundred or three hundred on his own. One of them was Mila Jovovich, who was apparently he. What a been, job! She'd been in the film Dazed and Confused a few years earlier, and yeah. she'd actually she was trying to pursue a singing career, but he saw her and thought, "Oh no, well she's she's just the right the right look. She doesn't she doesn't look she can be any type of race. She could she's got that that look that where she could yeah. be any anybody." Uh, would you believe also the part of Ruby Rod, which was played so very well by Chris Tucker, was originally offered to Prince? Do you know what? I'll be honest, because I couldn't work out who Chris Tucker was. All I could think was this this is as flamboyant, as extravagant yeah. as Prince, but it clearly isn't Prince because why would you play? That just didn't make sense. But it felt like that was where that was based. Would you like to know the reason why he didn't accept the role? He thought the costumes were too effeminate. 
<laughs> you seen how dude, did the dude was. ever watch back some of his concerts? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Uh, the remember the in the main hall of Floston there was that massive explosion. Yes, as if that wouldn't have ruined the ship. Well, that was the largest indoor explosion ever filmed. Wow! And it was so big it caused a fire that nearly got out of control. Took them nearly half an hour to put the fire out after that explosion. So I hope they got the shot in the first go. I then. think they did. Yeah, I think they did. Uh, I mentioned earlier how Luc Besson was always trying to sort of break convention here. Remember, the typical sci-fi movie is a certain theme. He, I mentioned this before, he wanted the action shots to take place in broad daylight. He was apparently tired of normally what you see is like dark corridors in spaceships and all this sort of this stuff. He wanted, quote, a brighter, cheerfully crazy look as opposed to sort of the gloomy realism. Yeah. He did well there. He achieved that, absolutely. Now, when filming began, remember how Lilu had like orange hair? Like she yep. naturally got uh, brown hair, but oh. they had to dye her hair orange. And they did it so often, they had to re-dye her hair so regularly that apparently her hair became too damaged. And then she had to resort to wearing a wig. Uh, so towards the end of the movie is her, that's not her real hair. That's a wig made to look like her real hair. So wow. a problem of production there. You mentioned earlier that you enjoyed the New York scenes. They were created using a combination of CGI. So the flying cars were CGI. There was live action, which the people in the, in the scenes were live action. And the buildings were scale models. So they combined CGI okay. with a scale model and real people. And apparently they had a production design team of more than 80 people spent five months building the the city blocks that they filmed that, that little sequence in. I hope that exists somewhere still then. I, I'd like to – I hope that so as well. Yeah, I'd be, I would love to see that. Now, do you remember when we first meet Lilu and she's speaking the divine language? Gibberish, yeah. That was actually invented – by Luke Besson. He he co-wrote the script and invented this language with Mila Jovovich so that right. they had they could actually speak to each other in this language. It had 400 words, the language they created, and that was already that was what they spoke. Apparently Mila Jovovich I mean, My was... message to this bloke is <laughs> you need to stop drinking and you could she could have just gibbered. Well, that was so well done. Mila Jovovich is, is multilingual anyway. She could already sure. speak four languages. So she took to this language. It only had 400 words. She learned it very fast. By the end of the movie, her and Luke Besson were able to have full conversations in this made-up <laughs> language. That's probably what led to them falling in love and getting married. I was going to say, how annoying for the rest yeah. of the cast and crew. <laughs> Righto. Did you notice, Trev, and you've already noticed one, actually, lavish costume design. Yeah. French fashionista, you called him, Jean-Paul Gaultier designed was the uh, designed all the wardrobe. And that was uh, pretty That was powerful. a good choice. Given yeah. your need for the OTT, uh, yes. for this to be that way, you know, this had to be, uh, you know, more than just, a, it couldn't be a, um, uh, you know, in my David Jones, it had to be haute couture. Absolutely right. He had to outfit at least 900 actors and extras. Do you reckon he designed uh, yeah. the robot things at the start? Oh, yeah, all of it. I think he did all oh, of that. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Lilu, there's one little thing that bothers me here. Did you notice this? When she's on the ledge about to jump and the police are on her and she holds up her hands, 
Did you notice how bl- how dirty your hands were? Her yeah. hands were black. Yep. Yet after her swan dive and she lands in Corbin's cab um, and slaps a hand against the glass, clean hands. No, yeah, no just, dirty hands. I think bit continuity of, con- bit of continuity error just there. Now this is the thing I reckon you're going to love. Did you notice the McDonald's? Yes. The police well done. McDonald's. Okay. Yes. And the sign said. Sixty-five trillion served. We're doing very well. Very well. So, I knew you'd like that little touch. You didn't notice the McDonald's uh, that little sign there, where the cops are in the drive-through. Sixty-five trillion served. Doing very well. Very well. Done. I'm assuming that was product placement yes. because uh, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because it would have been better to have the the cops in a donut. A Dunkin' Donut maybe, or something. Yeah, like. yeah. But uh, the the Seinfeld of the future says we get it. You do You're it doing well. very well. The other odd thing too about this, did you notice that the the villain of the piece was obviously Gary Oldman, so Zorg. The hero of the piece was Bruce Willis. Mm. Did you know? Did you notice in the whole movie they shared no screen time? They that makes never sense. Together. Yeah, okay, they yeah. never met. They never had a scene. They were never ever on the screen together. Yeah, because uh, Corbin doesn't have any role in defeating. Cool. Uh, no. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, they don't. They uh, they do not cross paths at all. Now the movie's called right. the Fifth Element, right? Yeah. Number five appears in the movie many many times. So you only just hit me when when I was talking about the timer and the bomb and yes. everything earlier, and you said, "Oh, of course, five. I went, well, well, I didn't okay. pick you up on it because I'm thinking, what does that matter? Oh, okay. The Fifth Element. So here we have them. Right, there are five elements. Right. Corbin Dallas's license has five points left. Yep. True. The Zorg stops the bomb. How long to go? Five seconds. Five seconds. The Mangalore's bomb starts with the same five-second five timer. Ruby Rod, towards the end of the movie, says there's a bomb going off every five minutes. <laughs> and do you remember when the president turns up and they're in the chamber doing the biz? They and need just, just going to give them another five minutes. Five more minutes, yeah. Ruby Rod's show also starts at what Five time? o'clock. Five o'clock. Cool. There you have the fifth element, Trev. And I'm I'm really happy that you actually enjoyed that. You're not I'm worried. Saying, no, you're not joking. I'm worried that you're going to take that and assume that no. you can bring the other sci-fi no. rubbish. No, no, no. Oh, that, look, that's I, not your I, average sci-fi movie, is it? Like, let's be clear. No, it's not. Absolutely not. No, not at all. But uh, I think... That has encouraged me that the 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 essence of a movie can get through, can get still get through, and, so and that's just to you. I'm talking about everyone. Like, no, oh, mate, yeah. you're not the only person who I recommend movies to, and they go, "What? That's that's stupid science fiction. What? They don't get it." That like I often tell my dad. My dad's never seen Star Wars, right? What? Right? My dad has never watched Star Wars. Not interested. Just and I the, say to him, I the uninitiated, him, Stephen has a two million dollar Star Wars collection in his in his I wish, studio. I wish. But uh, I say to my dad, I said, you know what, Dad, you'd like it because it's about a father and a son. And he oh, goes, mate, okay. we. I want to watch it with him. Okay. All right. Anyway, that wraps I'm up. I'm not doing Star Wars on this show unless it involves you, me, and your old man sitting right. in the theatre. All right. We'll work something out. We'll work something out. So that brings us to the end of the best movies you've ever seen for the film The Fifth Element. Now, looking forward 
Mm. Next week, I've decided to change the order a bit, Trev. Oh, wow. I've brought up another classic movie. We're watching next for the next show, Jaws. Oh. Directed by, I won't tell, I'll, 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 I don't know whether you know whether he, who directed George. You know who directed George? Oh, is I'll it Spielberg? It is Spielberg. Boom. Yeah. Okay. Well, lock it in, Eddie. I will. I will. I haven't got a a, a question to ask you about this movie. You've Actually, got to no, add that I, to your I, I do have a question to ask you. Okay. This is just a fun question, right? Okay. The mechanical shark in the movie, mm-hmm. and you'll learn this next week. Mm-hmm. They gave it a pet name. Oh. Right. Was it A. George, B, Bruce, C, Charlie, or D, David? What so my, shark? my mind goes first to Bruce, but that's, I think, because of Finding Nemo names. Bruce. Um, have you seen Finding Nemo? I have. Okay, good. Just checking. Yes, I have. Avoided isn't isn't the, the character Bruce that was played by? Wasn't it? Um, it was. Uh, um, uh, yeah, big. Yeah, uh, yeah. Edna. Who? Uh, who? No, no. It wasn't Barry Humphreys. No, Barry Humphreys. It's, it's, I thought it was it's one of the guys that used to do stuff with the DJ and everything. Anyway, um, um, I think it's going to be George. It's Bruce. Oh, come on! Yeah, B. But it was named Bruce because that was the name of Steven Spielberg's lawyer. So he decided to name the shark after his lawyer. Well, we need to put Finding Nemo on the list. Finding Nemo. Because it's an emotional movie. I love it so much. And I need to know, fact or fiction, is Bruce in Nemo named that because of Jaws? Possibly. Possibly, I, I, I can neither confirm nor deny. But I have been to the Universal Studios backlot tour twice and uh, been wet. In, yeah, you with, know, uh, <laughs> with a shark yeah. jumping out of the. Yeah, I often warn. I often tell people if you want to really get the full effect of the jaws, I've done the backlot. Sit tour. on the right hand side. Yeah, right hand side. I've done the backlot tour like nine million times. That's the go. The um, the back. The, the can I just say? Effect. I just had an idea. I mean, obviously, yep. <laughs> foreshadowing. But next year. Yeah. It won't be early in the year, but at some point during the year, yeah. when we find ourselves in LA, yes. we have to record an episode of this show. Of course. From the Universal Studios. Of I mean, course. Right. And I'll tell you what, I used to laugh at me when I used to go visit places where movies were filmed. I know. Will you come with me this time? On a as long, as, long as I know the movie, as long as well, I've seen if, the movie. If we've covered the movie, yes. you come with me? And yes. I go, this is the scene where you yes. do this. And that, I, I, that provides no end of fascination for me. And now you know why. And I'm, you can appreciate why I do that. Yeah, you're a lonely, lonely man, and you're trying to make me <laughs> part of your loneliness. It's yeah. fine. That's great. That's a great way to finish up the show. Trevor, you wrap up and you're rating. Uh, I loved it, as, as I've told you, and I'm glad it, it, it surprised you that I loved it because yes. I knew it would. That's why I didn't, just to be clear, Stephen had no idea. I, I didn't tell him. I didn't text be, him. I thought nothing. it was going to be torture for you. Um, no, I enjoyed it immensely. I can see why it's a great movie. And as I've described, it's it's the story as much as it is the fascination of the sci-fi that, that makes it work for me. But, you know, this is an eight and a half. Easy for me. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm an eight and a half here. This is, uh, yeah, the movie has its flaws, but I, I just think it's a great ride. It's like going back to the, the, the amusement park and getting on your favourite ride and just enjoying it for, the, for that. It's, uh, and I think one of the great things about doing this show is that the flaws, I think, are often found after watch after watch after watch. Yeah. Whereas, oh, mate, I was too. There was too much going on for me to pick <laughs> flaws. Yeah. 
Well, I'm glad you enjoyed that, mate. That you really surprised me. That was a lovely twist. I look forward to uh, firing up the 85-inch high sense at my joint, hooked up to the Absolutely. Fetch Mighty, and uh, using Universal Search to say Jaws. And I know there's sequels and stuff, so I need to make sure I get the well, OG, the original, and the best. There are course, there are things that I clearly that. know yeah. about it because it's such an iconic movie, and yes. I've just scenes that I can predict, but I don't know how they fit into the movie, which is... So have, you, have you not seen that? Have seen it a long time? Saw bits of it? I, I, I must have seen it you too scared to watch I'm it? Sure, tell, me, tell me. Yeah, too tell scared me. to watch it. Um, no, I, I don't remember anything that happens in it. Okay. I think, uh, yeah, I think the main character is like a local sheriff or... Yes. Yeah, Brody. Chief, Bro- uh, Chief Brody. We're going to learn more about that next week, though, so save it I look next week. To it. We, uh, we'll be back with you next week on The Best Movies You've Never Seen with Jaws. See you later, Trev. See you then.